Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, let's get into what topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Dial pound 3636. Better still, you can go to the app, Pizzaville app, or at pizzaville.ca and uh, order online, prepay online, and it's contactless delivery. Now you have it. Uh, joining us as per usual on Mondays, Mike Van Solen, the principal at Navigator. How's Mike doing? Doing pretty good. Great day for talk radio, John. Thank you, Michael. Kim Wright, rounding out the panel, principal at Wright Strategies. Hello, Kim. Hello. How are you today? Doing fine. Doing fine. Hope everybody's well and uh, staying healthy, staying distant, (laughs) ready to engage. You know, I've got to ask, this is the lead, because uh, when you've got a story coming out of Quebec of 31 dead at this senior's home, and it's now taped off as a crime scene, the coroner is investigating. Uh, Five deaths have been uh, directly attributed to COVID-19. But when we hear of the squalid conditions, I mean, it should give us pause to reflect that, you know, the way the elderly are treated in general is uh, perhaps something that isn't getting enough media attention uh, because maybe there's no salacious component to it, but it's really a tragedy and outrageous. But I'm wondering about the people who were working there, the orderlies. Uh, Mike, let me ask you first off, because it was said that many abandoned their post and they left it to uh, three orderlies on one wing to look after 60 patients, six zero six, 60 patients. Is this something that uh, they ought to be charged? Uh, now, understand minimum wage more than likely as we hear fearful that they didn't have proper PPE and were placed in harm's way, didn't want to bring it home to their families. How would you deal with these people? Well, look, it's pretty shocking. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm sure we'll have to learn more, but, you know, failing to provide the necessities of life uh, and to such a vulnerable population, um, I get it's a difficult job. I get, you know, a minimum wage going in and and maybe being unprepared to deal with COVID, uh, feeling uh, worried for your own health uh, could have been some reasons uh, as to why they took the actions they did. Uh, but you simply can't abandon people who rely on your support. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things you could do and steps you could take uh, to 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 help them out, but you can't abandon them. You know, maybe you have to call 911. Maybe you have to call uh, the, the police, uh, the hospital, uh, you know, bring in others to help. Somebody has to take responsibility to do those things. You simply can't walk away from an elderly population like that, uh, you know, no, not taking care of them, not providing them food, not getting them changed. Uh, you know, this just sounds like the beginning of what's going to be a very sordid tale when we learn uh, all the details. So, um, uh, yeah, pretty troubling news for sure. Well, what is it, Kim? Is it willful negligence? Would you hold them responsible? Or do you understand their own concerns for life and limit minimum wage? You know, uh, they're basically scrambling to protect their own heights. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. But, you know, the fact that nobody rang the alarm bells uh, at this particular facility, and we'll wait to see what the investigation says, but it doesn't seem like there were people were taking this, this as seriously on the ground until 
you know, the most drastic of measures, which is people dying and people and, and workers walking out on their of the job sites. So uh, I think there's a lot of accountability. And we're this isn't a one one off situation. We're seeing variations of this uh, even here in Ontario. Uh, some of the tragic tragedies we've been seeing in, in Markham and in uh, not just uh, long term care, but also a care facility that handles persons with disabilities. I mean, the reality is that that there needs to be crackdowns on uh, how you know how uh, how personal support workers are only dealing with one facility at a time. There also needs to be better compensation measures. But most importantly, we need to start getting uh, as many of the PPEs as possible into long-term care facilities, and we need to start getting the testers into those care facilities as well. How these right. things haven't happened is ridiculous to me. Well, it certainly uh, draws everything into sharp focus now that uh, we're seeing, sadly, it took a pandemic to uh, isolate the focus on these folks in long-term care facilities and retirement residences. Uh, Both the owners, though, I guess, you know, they're going to face some serious heat for this, which is appropriate. That's why I wondered Mm -hmm. about the workers themselves, or do we take it further up the food chain and the owners, uh, because it's incumbent on them to maintain staff as well as making sure they're paying their people so they don't abandon their post when push comes to shove. Absolutely. And this it, this should fall squarely on the ownership structures of these facilities for not putting the necessities of life in place. And that should have been raising the alarm that they needed more staff uh, and also taking quite seriously the health and safety uh, situation that was happening on the ground. There is an accountability to this. For the same reason, uh, there should be an accountability for all all of the different people up the food chain, including if uh, if the government was at fault for how they were running things as well. Yeah, you know, uh, we've also got concerns about temporary foreign workers who are necessary to the agribiz economy. And uh, there's talk now that these folks, you know, before they depart from Guatemala or Central America, wherever, uh, they're going to be screened or at least asked uh, if they've got any symptoms, so on and so forth. And then they'll be welcomed in. I saw where Pierre Polyev, the finance critic for the Conservative Party of Canada, was saying earlier today, we ought to first uh, allow for Canadian domestic workers to fill these roles uh, rather than importing that labor. I don't know how practical that is, uh, but Michael, do you think there's any concern that these foreign workers might be bringing something into the country? Uh, well, I can understand why people would be concerned about it, but uh, as I understand it, I've had some, uh, you know, spent a little bit of time on, on stories around this uh, in the last couple of days. And I understand there's also going to be a 14-day quarantine from the different programs that I've heard about where they, where they come here. They'll be quarantined for 14 days. Then they'll start uh, to do the work once they've been cleared. Um, it, it is important to the, the agri, agri-food business that we have these workers. And while I appreciate Pierre suggesting that maybe we should open up to Canadians first, the reality is those jobs have always been open to Canadians first. Uh, but because Canadians don't do those jobs, this is why we, we bring in, uh, you know, foreign service workers to help out. Um, and that, you know, we've learned through all this just how important the, the food supply chain is. So, um, you know, what I'm counting on is, is the companies that are involved uh, working with public health authorities to take the proper precautions and, you know, to take the right steps, including the 14-day quarantine once you once they get here um, uh, before they begin working. And, and it'll be really important for uh, getting that, uh, that sector moving again. 
you know, something else that Paul Yev said earlier today that I thought was interesting. He basically uh, came out and was critical of the government's uh, business assistance plan and was saying that the $40,000 loan that could be forgivable, uh, or at least uh, you would get, I guess, 25% forgivable, $10,000 if you maintained your payroll. He says that's not nearly enough. Uh, it's inadequate. And besides, waiting three to six weeks to get the money, some businesses have already gone under. There's a more immediate way to do that. And he basically cited the American model where uh, the banks are backed by the government. The bank extends a loan to the business, whatever they need to maintain their payroll. And in an ideal situation, I guess, ideal in quotations, that loan is forgivable, turns into a grant. We might have talked about this in the past, but he came out and was rather forthright about it, saying this government program for business right now is highly inadequate. Uh, Kim Wright, how do you see it? Well, I know that my bank is doing the 40000 and they're the ones who are managing that process. So there's also some things where uh, Mr. Polyev needs to double-check his facts uh, before he starts to pontificate about things. Are there other things that need to happen, making sure people in the gig economy are taken care of uh, in particular uh, in these in these? Well, they are, times? aren't they, with the CERB? A bit, but there's still some gaps still in between that, and I, they're continuing to work through that. And we haven't uh, that uh, those types of things around around students and gig economy haven't entirely been fleshed out yet. Um, that was part of the legislation on the weekend, but um, and there's still more to be done on that. But you know, he also needs to understand that uh, the banks are doing some some of the things that he pontificated about this morning. So uh, I understand that it's uh, difficult times over in the Conservative Party of trying to get people to do their policy homework, but he should uh, he should be a bit better about this. Is he wrong that $40,000 is not enough? Oh, he's not incorrect about that. And it's up to 40. It's it's up to 40,000. So you need to also have enough checks and balances in place that those companies that can afford to uh, continue to pay their bills and do the things that they're doing uh, aren't just jumping into these pots of money. Those types. But you got to maintain your payroll. If you don't do that, uh, then you disqualified from that. That's number one. Uh, But when he also says uh, getting a wage subsidy in May for wages you've already paid out in March. That's not appropriate. Is he wrong about that? He's not wrong about the length of time these types of programs are are taking, but also keep in mind that this is the federal government. So moving at speeds like this is not generally how they're built. Uh, What's he wrong about? He's... He's wrong about how how some of the rollouts are being done. He, his, his belief that it should be done through the banks are actually being done. Uh, I think there is something where where I disagree with Mr. Polyev uh, generally is not uh, some of some of the uh, business things, but really about he he wants more taxation measures, which are so back end and not where businesses and individuals need to be supported at the early stage. And I also don't believe that Mr. Polyev has ever supported or ever will support a universal basic income, which is what Canadians need. Right. Well, when you talk about uh, taxation, he also said when we come out of this, we're going to have to open up the economy by uh, removing a lot of barriers and including taxes. So it's sort of uh, counterintuitive to what a lot of people see as onerous taxation being required to pay for all of these entitlements that are now being put forth. But uh, Michael, on those matters that I was discussing with Kim, you wanted to weigh in. Yeah, sure. Well, sure. A few things. I mean, 
it's good that partisanship and ideology are coming back into the conversation. Um, it's a new you know, normal. We have, we have we have Kim talking about a universal uh, you know universal benefit uh, you know for everyone. There, that's a hobby horse of the left for for a long time. We have Pierre Polyev talking about cutting taxes. That's a conservative uh, hobby horse for a long time. So you know uh, you know we could take some uh, satisfaction in the fact that we've uh, we've moved uh, beyond uh, COVID nineteen all the time and 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 our ideologies and and perspectives on how we grow and, and fix this economy are uh, uh, we're having real conversations and I look I think Pierre is one of the smarter parliamentarians in fact parliamentarians have voted him the, the smartest and most capable parliamentarian so uh, I imagine he has most of his uh, facts right I haven't seen uh, seen his his thing today um, but I am glad we're back we're into a place and it will be really important where opposition voices and in all governments are able to start speaking and challenging governments about how they do this, because this is a a rapid rollout of economic stimulus, unlike we've ever seen. And and you know we can be we should be fair in it. Uh, moving at the speeds they are, as Kim pointed to, is difficult for government. They're going to get some things right and some things wrong. I think we can grade them on the curve of understanding the enormity of of the time we're living in. Um, but uh, you know it, it, it's good in some ways to see partisanship return. Uh, opposition members trying to hold the government's feet to the fire because that's going to be really important because we're going to live in this recovery phase a lot longer than we're going to live in the actual uh, crisis, uh, the moment that we're finding ourselves. Well, I wanted to talk about that in a moment, uh, the recovery phase and how we roll that out. Uh, this seems to be the delicate balance having to strike between public health concerns as well as economic well-being and what that engenders, too, by way of, you know, psychological impact. Uh, so it's, uh, as I say, somebody's got to stick handle that who has the political will and courage. We'll come back in a moment. Mike Van Solen, Principal at Navigator. Kim Wright, Principal at Wright Strategies. More topics worthy of discussion on The Oakley Show. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.